my beautifully broken friends, and welcome to another Beautifully Broken podcast. Hope you're all doing well and enjoying your summer. I had a fantastic time on my family vacation to Colorado. The kids and I and my mom first met up with my sister and a couple of her kids, and then we met up with my brother and his family, uh, but especially his grandkids. I love the littles. Colorado is a place where Greg and I used to take the kids. This is our first time back to that part of Colorado. So it was a little bittersweet, of course. Um, You know, as a widow, what that feels like uh, to enjoy the memories. And yet there's always something missing, isn't there? But the kids had a great time. I had a great time. It was our our first family vacation without all of us as Jake is in Florida. And so as a parent of a child who is now out on his own, it was a little different, but still so much fun. It was so great to get out of the Arizona heat and enjoy some Colorado crisp, cool weather. Uh, the mornings were so great. The evenings were beautiful, minus the mosquitoes. But we did a uh, a fun hike, um, and it's the one that I recommended. Of course, I forgot that I was 15 years younger when I first did it, but didn't think about the fact that we started up the mountain, went down the mountain to the water, and then we had a hike back up the mountain. What? Where were we at? Like 9,500 feet in the air. So I struggled maybe a little bit, maybe thought I was going to stroke out a few times, but it was so fun. We had such a great time. The kids went white water rafting and anyways, it was so fun. It was so great to get out of the Arizona heat. And if you are living in Colorado, you lucky dogs during the summer, but um, I lived in snow for a while. I'm so thankful that I don't live in snow anymore. This week, we are picking up with part two of our Christian Widows Survival Guide. I just ran across a statistic that every year, 800,000 people in America become widows. And of those 800,000, 700,000 of them are women, which is just incredible. So, if you, I know a lot of times I talk about being widowed um, and I try to, to talk about God's healing in all circumstances, in all circumstances of loss and that you can find hope. But I didn't realize there really is such a huge need for people to come together in their grief share of widowhood. And this survival guide is something that I used to help me get through my very first year and months of of being a widow. And there's two such great women in the Bible. Last week, we talked about Naomi and her reaction to being widowed. And she wasn't just widowed. You know, I, I feel like Naomi kind of gets a, a a rough time of it sometimes. But she also lost her two sons. So she lost her husband and her only two sons. And 
so I, I understand why she was so upset. But then her daughter-in-law, Ruth, she has a different approach to widowhood. And it's been interesting because, you know, I've been a widow for now four and a half years. And my mom was widowed the end of August last year. So it's just been interesting to see how we have things in common. And yet everyone has to walk their own walk. Everyone's walk is different. And while Naomi's was bitter, Ruth was full of hope. There's a quote by Albert Einstein. And he says, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. What do you think about that? (laughs) I will think about it as I tell this story. And then I'll come back to it and tell you what I think about it. In Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, Ruth is speaking to Naomi. And remember, Naomi told her daughter-in-laws, hey, go back to your country because they were. she was living in a foreign country at that point. She was living in Moab and both her daughter-in-laws were from Moab. And she said, you guys go back to your family. You're young. You can start over. And one of the daughter-in-laws left. But Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Clearly, Ruth had had an encounter with God. Because when you encounter God, your life is forever changed. That was one thing about being in ministry. It's addictive to see people have life change, true life change that comes with knowing God. You see, since Ruth met God, she was not able to return to her past. She needed to move forward to her future. She had fundamentally changed and knew she couldn't go back to where she had come from. She needed to be around people who held the same beliefs now that she did. Ruth's faith in God at this point is incredible. She probably saw how her husband's family lived quite differently than how she did growing up. And I'm sure she knew that in order to continue to move forward in her faith, she had to surround herself with like-minded people, people that were going to encourage her in her faith and not try to persuade her to go back to her own ways. So Naomi relents to Ruth and says, fine, if you want to come with me, let's go back to Bethlehem. Okay, I'm sure their walk back to Bethlehem was quite interesting as Ruth, I'm sure, was nervous and, of course, grieving. And Naomi had a few things to say about how um, upset she might have been. It might have been a long walk for both of them going from Moab to Bethlehem. But they made it back. And Ruth decides right then and there that she is going to be proactive. I so wish I could rewind the clock sometimes and go back to when I was a very first widow. And instead of always wanting to be in my room, in my bed with the covers over my head, I wish I would have taken a more Ruth-like survival guide 
outlook to my life and had realized that, and I knew God was with me, but I, I was not proactive. I knew he was going to do things for me, but I didn't want to work with him to get me to that next level. In fact, I think it was year three, I finally had to choose a word which was momentum to get me to even try to move forward. And, you know, you can't change the past. You can only move forward. But what a great perspective of Ruth to have to say, I don't want to just sit idly by. I need to do something. And I'm sure that their provisions were dwindling quickly. They were two women without men and in back in those days, they only had what they came with. So they probably needed to get food and in a hurry. Being the respectable daughter-in-law that she was, and back in those times, certainly, she asked Naomi for her permission if she could go out in the fields and and try to get some grain for them so they could have some something to eat. And Naomi agrees to this. I'm, I'm sure Naomi and her her joyous spirit was like, yeah, fine, just leave. <laughs> but I don't know, poor Naomi. I, I totally get her. So Ruth goes out to look for a field to find some grain in. And she coincidentally stumbles on to a field that is a relative of Ruth's father-in-law and mother-in-law. And his name is Boaz. Now, Boaz happens to be a little bit older than Ruth, a whole lot wiser than her, and a great deal farther in his faith and in his walk with God than Ruth was. And coincidentally, he happened to stop by his field that day. And coincidentally, he just happened to see Ruth there as she was gleaning behind the workers. And coincidentally, Ruth had already spoken to some of his workers and her character was so amazing that it made an impression on them. So when Boaz asked his workers like, hey, who's that chick in the field that's like, you know, trying to glean some grain behind the people? They already knew. They knew her story. They said, oh, Boaz, she's um, she's this chick that's uh newly widowed and she and her mother-in-law just got here and she's just trying to get some grain for them so that they can eat. That's a whole lot of coincidences, if you ask me. (laughs) So Boaz, who equally had great character, told his staff to leave her alone uh, in trying to protect her and let her take as much barley or grain as she wanted And then he told them not only to let her be alone and collect what they didn't collect, he told them to actually like leave some barley left on the stock so that she could get more for herself and her mother-in-law. So as the day progresses, it's hot and he, it's lunchtime and he invites Ruth to come up and have lunch with him and his workers. I'm sure he's like, well, I just happen to be here, so I guess I'm just going to have to eat lunch with you all, right? Uh Uh-huh. 
So he talks to her a little bit and he tells her right then that he thinks that she's awesome. He's heard her story and the fact that she's there working hard for her and her mother-in-law, that he's just really impressed with what she was doing. And I'm sure that Ruth is grateful for his words. It's always nice to hear those things. But what Ruth didn't know is that even through the lunch, Boaz was still watching her. I'm sure everyone was. And she had such great character. She didn't eat everything that was given to her. No, she she was thinking about her poor mother-in-law who probably needed to eat at home. So she took some of her leftover lunch. She wrapped it up for Naomi. All of this was noticed by Boaz. And when Ruth was finished for the day, she went home with about 30 to 40 pounds of barley. Man, I am not sure how that girl got home with all of that barley, but good for her. I can't hardly walk up a mountain without dying, but she can work all day and carry home a lot of food. That's amazing. I can do carry out, but I think that's different. Anyways, so you can imagine Naomi's shock when Ruth shows up with a loot of barley. And so Naomi, being the good mother that she was, starts in with the... um the 50 questions that every mother likes to do. Like, where were you? What field were you in? How long were you there? Who did you see? What did you do? Where did you go? You know, I'm exaggerating the text a little bit, but if Naomi's anything like my mother, those would probably be some of the first questions that were asked. I love you, mom. And I so adore your 50 questions. So when Ruth told Naomi about the field that she had been picking from, everything kind of fell into place. And Naomi could see the hand of God. Remember that Einstein quote that I said at the beginning of this? As you can clearly see, I I think he got it wrong. I don't believe in coincidences, and I don't think God ever tries to remain anonymous He wants us to know without a doubt that he's moving and directing our lives. See, when we are obedient to him and working out our faith, he will make our future steps known. There's no secrets. There's no coincidences. I've talked a few times about righteousness, right living. When we are right living, when we are in the word of God, when we are praying, when we are seeking God's will for our life, it, it's not a hide and seek game. My, my pastor said something so fabulous this past weekend. He said, when you go looking for God, you will find that he's already been seeking you. How beautiful is that? God doesn't want you to not have a plan. God doesn't want you to to live without hope. God wants you to know that even though life sucks sometimes and you are a beautifully broken mess, you are his beautifully broken mess if you give it over to him 
and he has a plan. He has a picture in his mind. He has you in his hand and he wants to take your beautifully broken pieces and rearrange them into something new so that he can make something beautiful out of your story. And this is where our story takes a beautiful turn. You see, Boaz is Ruth's redeemer. In this time, in this culture, it was customary for a relative of a deceased person to marry his widow and buy back his land and any possessions that the deceased person had. This redeemer would provide for the widow and the land and everything would be saved from ruin. The relative or the kinsman redeemer would rescue what was sure to be lost for both the widow and the deceased widow's husband. This kinsman redeemer was like the knight on the white horse charging in. They literally would save them from ruin, from starvation, from so many things. The, the kinsman redeemer was the savior. Boaz is the perfect representation of who Jesus Christ is in our lives. We have all suffered loss because of the effect of sin in our lives. And Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He has come and he has paid a price on the cross and purchased a way for us to get to heaven. All we have to do is to believe and accept The rest of the story of Ruth is a beautiful read. You'll find that Naomi lets Ruth know that Boaz is their kinsman redeemer, that he can save them. And so she and Ruth work together to let Boaz know that Ruth is interested in allowing him to become her kinsman redeemer. I won't give the whole thing away. Go read the book of Ruth for yourself. It's such a great read. But one of the most awesome things about the end of the story is that Ruth and Boaz marry and they have a son together. And that son is in the line of King David, who is the greatest king of Israel. And even more than that, they have a son in the line of Jesus. So God can take your beautifully broken heartache, your beautifully broken mess of your life, and if you allow him, he can take it and bring a kinsman redeemer for you. He can redeem the life that you think is maybe past redemption. Don't ever think that. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. There are no coincidences. If you will just open your life to him and ask him to come in and do his will, and then you are obedient in living for him, he can redeem your life and he can make a beautiful masterpiece out of the broken pieces of it. Let me pray for you, friend. Lord, thank you so much for my beautifully broken friends. God, Each one of us is broken in some sort of way. God, I pray that today we would all humble ourselves before you to be open to whatever your will is for our lives. God, if someone cannot see that there is a future for them in the midst of their mess, 
help them to know that if they just seek you, that you're already seeking them. You're not hard to find and you will provide the answers for their life. We pray these things in your name. Amen.